Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and this is the 50th episode of Curva Mundial. So I needed to celebrate in a big way. And before I reveal my next guest, I just want to say thank you for listening and supporting. And I promise I am just getting started. But to celebrate the 50th episode of this podcast, I have with me powerhouse New York attorney who has represented the likes of Jay-Z, Meek Mill, Aesop Rocky, Michael Jackson, and many others, including a former U.S. president. Please welcome to the show my friend and the owner of SPAL, Mr. Joe Takapina. Joe. Welcome, and thank you so much for coming on. Buongiorno, Sal. Buongiorno. How are you? <laughs> good, my friend. Good. You are sort of like uh, Carmen Sandiego these days, where I don't know where exactly. in the world you are. <laughs> and n- nor do I. I spend every two minutes of my, the beginning of my day waking up, looking at the trim on the ceiling, trying to determine where I am, and I kid you not. Sometimes <laughs> I wake up, and I'm like, all right, that's Italian. We're in Italy. That's This is this is more uh, you know New England-style trim. I must be in Connecticut. So, okay. I mean, it's really, it's, uh, it's my brain is just, you know, is all over the place. I chalk it up to you, man. You know, I know you're a busy guy, and there's so much to discuss, so we're going to get on with it. You have owned and overseen the operation of clubs in Italy for many years, but Spal was a team that was not intentionally one you were out to get. Well, it was Catania that was on your radar in Sicily, and I remember you sending me videos of the training grounds and how excited you were and how excited they were on social media, and suddenly disappeared, and out of nowhere, you said, tell me, like, hey, Sal, I just bought Spal in Ferrara. So I was just, I was very surprised. And now it's been a few years, but how did all of this come about and what happened with Catania? Yeah, very quickly came about. I mean, with Catania, look, Sicily is a special place to me. It's my mom was born there. And, you know, uh, there's a level of passion there that's uh, indescribable. Um, but, but, you know, there was a lot of problems there. And, and the key problem there was they had 60 million euros in debt for a third division team which is obviously you know just just complete utter grotesque mismanagement throughout the years that caught up with them and the deal i had with them there to close and buy this team is they were going to reduce that to 15 one five um you know and i kept giving them extensions and extensions and extensions and and shockingly and surprisingly um that didn't come close they never came close to it we were never able to close it. And, you know, the best thing they should have done instead of wasting like two years, you know, hanging around Serious C uh, with all that debt was let it fall, let it go into bankruptcy, which it eventually did. Um, and it was picked up by another individual who was uh, brought in by one of my my uh, sort of uh, consultants um, who I, you know, made sure I wanted to do everything I could do to make sure Catania was in the best of hands yeah. um, when I left. And I found someone or my consultant found someone who came in there and took them from the fourth division, Serie D, where they are now. And, and you know, they sit well on top of that division. They'll be in Serie C next year. And you just have to do it right. But it was really, it was a mess. And it was too bad because the people there were so welcoming to me. And you know, I had a love affair with those people. Right. But it wasn't meant to be. And it wasn't meant to be. What was meant to be was my venture into Ferrara because that turned out to be a very special and really fortuitous thing for me because – I, you know, the owner, Simone Colombarini, and I knew each other for many years. I've been involved in Italian football, obviously. I sit on one of the boards of the uh, FEGC. So, you know, we had relationships, and, and Simone came to me and said, look, we're selling the team. We can't sustain it anymore. 
I want to give it to you. And he gave me a deal that was not a market deal. It was well below market. It was something where wow. he basically said, I'm not worried about you giving me money. I'm worried about you protecting my family's legacy. And I know I don't want to just sell it to somebody. I don't know who here one day and gone tomorrow. I want you to do what you've done with your other clubs that have been, you know, relegated or have fallen like Bologna, um, like Venezia. And, uh, you know, so he said, please come and, 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 and take this over. Just step into my shoes. And I looked at the opportunity and I was blown away. I was blown away. Let's start with the city of Ferrara, which is an iconic UNESCO World Heritage City. It's so beautiful. It's unbelievable. It's in Emilia Romagna, where you're an hour away from Venice. You're 30 minutes away from Bologna, Union Modena. I mean, it's just, it's stunningly beautiful, that city. Um, with a castle in the center of it with a boat. It's just, it's like, you know, you feel like you're, you're living, you know, hundreds of years in the past, and it's it's just stunningly gorgeous. Um, the people there were so warm. Spal is one of the historically great clubs in Italian football. In the sixties, they had a reign where they really were one of the most important clubs in Italy. Um, and and you know they have a fan base that is undying. That city lives and dies for that team. Uh, the stadium is a brand new stadium, um, one of the best in the country. Um, the sporting center is brand new, one of the best in the country. The youth facilities we built up in the last year, we built a new convito where we house the the, the Satori Giovanile. Um, and our Satori Giovanile is one of the best in all of Italy. Um, we're in the top three. We won a Scudetto last year, my first year there, when we beat uh, AC Milan, Roma, and Bologna. Or the you know two of my former teams, which was not a bad thing, um, in the finals to get the win the scudetto of the under 18s. Uh, we have more under Satori Giovanile players in the in the Italian national teams than Juventus does. Um, so wow. our youth, our yeah yeah our youth sector is absolutely the gem of Spal. It's the heartbeat of Spal, and it what creates value. So, you know, I had this fan base, I had this city, I had this brand new stadium, I had this great owner who had done so much for Spal, got Spal to Syria. Um, I had the sports facility. It all came together and we closed within 30 days. It was that's how quick it was. Wow. <laughs> so that was it. Yep. That's unbelievable. And what is also fantastic is, is that we're now seeing what Spal has done in terms of uh, Colombano, who was a player for you and now in City A, who is, you know, doing great. And yep. the future of Italy and the national team, people have constantly bickered and complained about, especially missing the last two World Cups, is, is that we're not playing the youth. We're not playing yep. the youth. We're not, and now here we are playing the youth, and here's a team that's cultivating it. So yep. does that give you even me more reinforced energy to show that, look, I know I am a caretaker of this team, this historic club in this historic city, which I also want to point out, the only team in Italy named with an acronym, not after the right. city, right, so, right? which is also like an anomaly in itself. But do you sit there and say to yourself, like, okay, I'm not only just creating something on a micro level, but also on a macro level, because these guys could eventually go on to, yes, of course, the bigger clubs, but represent Italy in what could potentially be hopefully their return to the world cup in four years absolutely i mean absolutely it's it's important and that's why you know i'm proud to say that spal fields the most italian players in Serie b um we have the the most um young players from the satori giovanili we have the the youngest team in Serie b 
Um, and, and so that to me is really important. It's important because we're doing our part to make sure the Italian national team gets back to where it belongs, which is, you know, not only in the World Cup, but winning World Cups, not, uh, <laughs> not watching from afar for eight, 12 years in a row. I mean, we're not going to play a World Cup minute for 12 years. And that to me is despicable. It is. You also do something that is completely different in the modern game. You take an old school approach to your ownership. I remember in the, I'm going to date myself, you know, in the 20th century. And I remember, you can probably remember too, growing up, watching owners of Italian clubs, they would be seen about town. They'd be embedded in the community. They'd be the face of the organization. If not, more popular than the star players that were on the field in this century it's seldom seen but you're taking that old school approach with spal and the community is loving you for it i see you in videos on bakeries and going to schools and doing clothing drives and food drives and making it that you're not just a guy from america that happens to have italian parents that loves his culture but really protecting what it is to be part of that community. How do you feel why that is so important? It's, I don't know any other way to do it, Sal, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I did when I was in Rome, I was only the vice president of ASR, but <laughs> I was in that community. And, and right. that's one of the reasons they put up a banner in the curve of sued for me, thanking me. I mean, I'll never forget that. It was one of the great things my dad has ever seen as a Romanista was, uh, you know, Takapina Una di Noi, Grazie Joe, a big banner that I saw that photo that, that'll last forever. Because I cared. They knew I cared. I did it in Bologna. I did it in Venezia. And I've done it in Ferrara. It's it, you, it's part of the responsibility of being an owner or president of a football team in Italy. It's, it's different than North America. I mean, most people don't know who the president of the, uh, you know, Carolina Panthers is right now. And if he was walking downtown Raleigh, they would have no idea who that person is. Most likely. In Italy, it's completely different. And and the, the presidents and owners are seeing as a, a sort of a representative of the club. And a bridge to the community. And to me, it was always important to make sure I bridge any divide between the team and the community. And that's why I'm always out there letting people talk to me, voice uh, gratitude, displeasures, whatever it is. Um, but just really, for the most part, I find people so grateful for the fact that I I, I'm, I move above them. I'm just one of them. And I am. I mean, I'm no better than any of those people. I'm just someone who, you know works hard and, and and wants to be part of that community and I do it with pleasure. So, and it does re return a lot. I mean, look, I'm in, I'm in schools when I'm there and I just got back from being there for 10 days. I was in seven schools in a matter of, you know, seven business days, going to school, talking to kids, going to hospitals, going to community events. It's all part of the job. And if you do it, and I don't do it to get, you know, praise and stuff like that. I do it because it's, it feels right. It's supposed to be done, especially as a foreign president, but, you know, also what it does is it lets people know that we care. We at SPAL care about the community. You know, we have this new, you know, um, completely new department, which is basically a social responsibility, you know, division inside of SPAL, a charity event run by a spectacular, spectacular woman, Martina Vanzetto, who has done something with 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 the program, with the schools and and with everything that, that really is. And we with the letters we get of appreciation from from that one thing alone is incredible so no it's not and it's not about you know it's not gonna win us a championship or anything else but what it's going to do is make us appreciated within that community and help us do the right thing for the community you know george steinbrenner when he was alive was a god in new york city but he was a god that sat in a cathedral that no one right. like his glass house right you, right. you and ryan reynolds and other owners now that are coming and seeing like what these smaller community teams are like that hey look 
it's more than football. It's more than just the game. When you're there, do you fall in love with the sport even more? Despite the fact that, like, I know you love the game, but there's there's headaches to it, but there's also got to be those high high highs have got to be astronomical. They are. The high highs are astronomical. I mean, it's that, you know, I've won I've won three championships and one Copa Italia. And uh, those were days that I will never, ever forget. Um, you know, that that time we won Serie B in Bologna when they had got relegated the year before and I came over and took over and, and we won. Um, you know, there were 40,000 people in that stadium. And they put me on their shoulders and walk. And my security team was like, "Dude, you're on your own." Child, but, you know, <laughs> boom. And it was fine. I I wasn't concerned. I didn't. They, but they were just right. adoring and loving and happy, and it was a party. But I was like literally carried around for a half hour on shoulders of people I didn't even know who the hell they were. Um, you know, and it was something that is a high high. How do you get that anywhere else in life? Right. What really, unless unless you're you know one of those players or something like that. And it was great, and that was great. Happened again in Venice. Um, you know, we won two two championships there, and it was also great. Um, a different level of intensity, obviously. The Venetian fans are a much smaller fan base, but mm-hmm. it was still great. But then, don't forget, there's also the other side of that, the low right. lows, and 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 those are things where you know, look, I'm a I'm a fan. We just talked about the Rangers. I'm a huge New York Rangers fan. Okay, when they lose, I'm bummed out for a day and I, whatever. And that night, I'm cranky. Okay, I go to work the next day and I move on. I, I love the Rangers, but. You know, when you lose a game that could put you into a tailspin or you miss out in the playoffs or, you know, we lost a game in Palermo when we were fighting for Serie A in Venezia um, with an own goal. And uh, that took us out of Serie A. You know, it took me a a good solid six months to get over that one. I mean, that was like that was that was that was a different level of despair and devastation. Um, But, you know, listen, it's all a sport. It's a game. But it is a business too. So mm-hmm. when things don't go well, like last year, we had a we were sniffing relegation. I hate that word, but we were sniffing relegation at one point last year, and you know we we made it through and we got out of it. But boy, that would have been an unmitigated disaster. And that's not just about loving your team; it's also about you know a business model uh, right. collapsing. So you know it's just, there's a lot more to it than just you know fandom um, when you're doing this. Which is you just let me right into my next question in. In the last few years, since pandemic, we've seen real estate become a thing and people talking about buying and selling real estate to make money and raise their portfolio. But you have done it with sports teams. And man, I will say this. I've never seen you this happy with a team before. Spal does this to you. But there is a downside. And that downside is also obviously the low of lows and making sure that, you know, the business model is okay. But one thing that is common knowledge is the Italian bureaucracy is not easy to deal with here. So does it ever make you just like throw your hands up in the air and just say, is it, is it worth it? Like, you know, yes, I'll I'll be, you want, I'm going to give you the honest answer, not the the answer I should say. No, you know, it's all part (laughs) of it. We deal with it and we move on. No, sometimes like I do, like I was dealing with an agent who, uh, you know, just a month ago, who was the, the, the the lowest of the low, the sleazes of all agents and, Mm -hmm. and, and basically playing games and lying and making misrepresentations, causing a lot of drama. And, you know, and, and, and they, the agents have way too much power in European football. Yeah. Um, you know, they get paid from both sides of the coin. I mean, think about that. You know, you represent a player for the uh, an MLB player, and you're making a deal with the Yankees. You get a percentage of the contract, one, two, three, four percent, whatever it is, okay? And that's how you make your money. In Italy, um, in Europe, you, you, you represent the player, and they pay you, but you also represent the club. Not really, but the club pays you. So if 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 Spal's going to give me two hundred thousand, 
and Askley is going to give you 100000 but Spal's going to give you 50000 less for the player or give the player 50000 less salary than Askley, you're going to push that player to Spal. And, right. and that, to me, is an insane conflict. And, it, you know, then you get involved with some 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 unsavory characters, uh, like this individual from, uh, from, from uh, I suppose, though, that I represent, that I had to deal with. But anyway, look, that's part of it. The bureaucracy is part of it. Getting things done is part of it. You know, we were in there for one day as the owners a year and a half ago, and then they shut down half the stadium because they decided one of the polls was leaning in a certain way. You know, that wasn't right, but it was fine for the last, you know, I don't know, three years. No one was dying. All of a sudden, everyone was at risk of death. And they shut the stadium down for like six months on me, you know, two days into our ownership. And it was, you know, it was something that was interesting. Let's put it that way. I don't think that would happen in, in most parts of the world. But, okay, there we are. The pros and cons of Italy. On the pros, obviously, you have the passion. You have the fan base who, who cares and makes everything so relevant, um, who will die for their teams and, and appreciate everything you do. And you have the food, but you know, then there's a negative. So, right. It's it's also interesting to see how you've also, in the short time you've had the team as a caretaker, raising the profile of the club with the signings of Giuseppe Rossi last year, and of course now Daniela Di Rossi as manager in his first managerial position. You know, is getting mm-hmm. attention because another factor in all of this too is making sure that people are aware. Spal exists not just on paper and not just in a standing or table rather but that they are a team that is going to be a destination at some point or could potentially be in city and a team that people should cheer for and care about outside of ferrara so getting attention to that that's a whole other thing now that you know we see in the modern age thanks to social media but you know, by getting high-profile people, which you have always done at your clubs. I mean, you got yep. Inzaghi at that time in Venezia. Seriously, um, yeah. Is 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 it like? Is that part of your plan? Yes. Too? Yeah. As long as they add value. I mean, I'm not look. I, I wouldn't just take a, 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 a you know, all the respect to Christian Vieri. I love him. Was a great player, but I wouldn't say come play here. It's fall now. Just you know, because we'll sign Christian Vieri. Everyone, loves, yeah, Christian Vieri couldn't play right now in Serie B, obviously. Um, so that would be hurting the club. I take. You know, players or, or coaches who I think are going to be amazing value adds, and also the fact that they would have a brand to bring into the Spal family is a is a value add. Um, but it's it's not the first reason. It is certainly a reason. It's a factor. Um, mm-hmm. Look, we're we're about the we just completed a deal with uh, Raja Nangalan. so Raja is going to be coming to Spal, um, which is no one in a million years would have ever thought we'd get a, a Raja Nangalan playing for Spal in Serie B. But we did. He was my player when I was here in Roma, and I was I had a good relationship with him. But he's like a brother to De Rossi, so we tag teamed him. We tag teamed him hard and said, "Get over here, six months, you'll be here." And then you know, we'll get to the playoffs together in the playoffs with Nangalan and Festicides, who we just signed. This Greek player who played for the Greek national team in Genoa and is ridiculously fast and quick as a left-footed uh, external striker. Um, between him and and, and Nangalan. I mean, I think, you know, we can beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. And if we get into the playoffs, which is our goal, um, I think that's where we're going to make our move. All right. This is great. Like, you know, obviously everything is a building block, but City B is probably the most topsy-turvy league ever in in just no, all of insane. European football. It's insane. It's, it's insane. It's, 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 there's no league like this in European football. Look, last year, without all the big boys in it, like, you know, this year we have also Palermo, Bari, Genoa. I mean, really, right. um, you know, coming into into Serie B. 
Um, you know, so so it's a big, big difference in the past years. Um, and then, you know, when you when you then add to the mix, um, you know, the fact that we have uh, I don't know, six billionaires in Serie B. Right, right. Um, literally between funds and individuals. Um, it's like it's all of a sudden becoming one of the hottest leagues in the world. And by the way, last year, proof positive of that, last year on the last game of the season, 30th week of the season, there was only one game of all all the, you know, how many ever games there were that, that week of all the teams playing, there was only one game that didn't count for something. Think about that. The last game of the season only one game didn't count for either relegation, promotion, playoff, not playoff, only one. And that shows you how competitive that league is. And if you look at it now, you know, we're a few points away from the playoffs and we're a few points away from the playout. And yeah. uh, a lot of teams are similarly situated. That's how crazy close this league is. It, it really is. Every game matters. Every every decision on that field matters. Every decision off the field matters. So much so that, it's not a cakewalk, even for the teams that drop down. And there's no easy games. There's no there's easy no. games. Look, look. I mean, when when Napoli is playing uh, Cremonese, okay, right. you, you you pretty much know what's happening there, right? Right. There is no such thing. The first place team, Prozanoni, could be playing Perugia, and Perugia could win, which has happened. So, I mean, you know, it's just, it's it's really mind boggling how competitive that league is. Else, you know, uh, Venezia dropped down from City A and are now in the doldrums of City B as yep. this podcast is being recorded. Is it weird for you to play your former teams, or is it just that you keep it as like this was a business thing and that's it? Thank you, you know. Oh no, it's no, it's no, it's not, it's not weird. Um, you know, I get honestly pleasure in beating my former teams, um, <laughs> but 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 on the other hand, I also still share a fondness with them. As a matter of fact, when we beat Venezia in Ferrara. You know, I went after I went to salute my curve. Um, I walked to the other side of the stadium with only the Venezia fans in their curve, and they just lost the game. And I went over to them because they're having, as you know, <laughs> enormous um, discord with the current ownership, right? Yeah. With the with that group over there, the American group that took over from from me. Um, they, you know, protest outside their offices. They want they have signed the local city get out. Um, you know, they've not sort of done the things that I guess would endear them to the fan base and the city. Um, putting that aside, I went over to their curve, not knowing what to expect, um, just to say thank you, you know, for all the years, five years there. Thank you. And I put my hand and they gave me the most incredibly warm and, and, and rousing, like applause and, and gave ch chanting my name. And it was it was really touching to me. But it that's proof positive that they knew I was sincere when I was there and I cared about them. And I still care about them. I want the fans. I mean, they're great fans. I mean, they're not enormous as far as the quantity. Um, but the quality of those fans are great. The marketing of Venezia around the time you were looking to depart was brilliant because yep. you got to deal with Nike. You got the deal with Nike yep. and those Jersey templates were super hot. And then as soon as you sold, whoever took over, like the marketing was unbelievable. I remember walking around Brooklyn in Williamsburg, uh, summer 2021 and just seeing a bunch of people who I, I you can tell they don't watch City A, but they loved what those jerseys look like. Yep. And I remember texting you about it, like, oh, holy shit. Like it was unbelievable what what that marketing was going on and doing. But you had laid that foundation as this team was gaining momentum. What made you want to sell them? 
Look, without getting into it, because there was an agreement that called for confidentiality, but mm-hmm. there was there was a disagreement in how to proceed forward in, gotcha. in a lot of ways. Um, there was an issue with the stadium, and you know, I thought a new stadium was vital, honestly, very vital to to the future of Venetia Football Club, the Penzo. Is not a sustainable stadium. It's you know it's the oldest stadium in the country. It seats like fourteen people. Um, it's like at the end of the island. You have to you know either swim or walk there. Um, you know so it's it's there were so many reasons. But anyway, it was just disagreement with the with the majority investor group. Um, and you know we we went our own ways. Okay, all right. And then I beat them. And and that's you know. <laughs> In a bizarre way, revenge is the dish best served cold, I guess. <laughs> exactly. We've seen so much foreign investment in Italy in recent years, and it's a great thing for many reasons, because I do hope that it gets that bureaucracy that we were discussing to think in modern terms of maybe modern stadiums, modern ideas, modern thinking, and uh, how to save the sport that we love in a country that we love so much, because we're seeing scandals again arise in City A, which is not good. But we see in foreign investment from the city group buying Palermo. North Six Group here in uh, New York City has bought Ascoli. Redbird has bought Milan. Zang and Inter. The li- you at Spa. The list goes seven, on. Seven seven partners, Genoa. I mean, and, right. and by the way, that's another thing I'm honestly very proud of. Of course, I was the first American, as you know, back in 2011 yes, with AS Roma. I put that group together. We purchased Roma. People called me insane, crazy. Um, couldn't be done. Couldn't be done. And now, you know, American investors, not only individuals. But funds are falling over themselves to try and get Italian football properties. So, you know, it makes me feel good that that's happening. Um, and 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 because there was value right, that I, I recognized was there. And it's basically, you know, putting a good business model in place, which Italy has always lacked. It's always been the richest guys in the community, you know, buying the teams in Agnelli's and the, the, the Marathi's and, and buying the teams for social currency purposes and, and all those great things that come along with owning a football team in Italy. But not running it like a uh, a true team, you know, and 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 not running it like a true business, I should say, because that's where they they you know they, I mean, when Juventus is losing over hundred million a year, I mean, you got to be kidding me. Um, the revenues they make, how they're losing money, but that's that's because it's a different mindset. It's about you know they look at it as a lost leader. You know, running a fiscally responsible business and a successful football club are not mutually exclusive, but but many Italians seem to, have, I think. You know, subscribe to that notion that you know you can't ever make money in football. As a matter of fact, you have to lose money in football. That's not true, right? Right. It's so seeing like foreign money coming in, and now that again, yeah, you could say you're a pioneer in all of this. You know, and and getting people to pay attention to that this is a country, this is a league. Whether or not you make money right away, if you do it right, the rewards will be unlike anything you've ever seen before. But what is that like for you seeing this interest now? Because now let's just say it becomes now a a rich man's pissing contest in a way where someone another billionaire comes in and buys another team and you know and or another millionaire, whoever it is, and now here here you are sort of like stuck in the middle of it and trying to figure out like what what's next. Correct. And and what's happening, it's not all good, by the way, is all of a sudden Serie B went from, you know, I don't know, when I was in, forget when I was in Bologna, even when I was in Venezia, um, the last year I was in Venezia in Serie B, the average cost of a roster was about 7.5 million. 
okay, the average cost of a, of a roster in Serie B. It is now 16.5. Wow. Three years later. Do you understand it's more than double in three years? And that's a byproduct of, you know, the billionaire from uh, Indonesia who owns Como, okay? The billionaire from America who owns Parma and spent right. insane yeah, Congress, amount of, of money, course, yeah. insane amount of money on that roster. Um, you know, the, 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 the funds that own, uh, you know, one of the big funds owning Genoa. You know, it's just it's one after the next, and the Man City Group owning Palermo. I mean, so it's hard to compete with that. It really is, and and the way to do it is to be, you know, quicker to the punch when it comes to identifying young talent and scouting, and having a great youth sector to support you. But you know, look, when someone wants to spend thirty-seven million on a Serie B roster, which is more than you know, a quarter of the teams in Serie A, um, you're you know, it's hard to compete with that. It really is. It's. I feel like the the door got blown wide open with and when Monza was purchased by yeah, Tony Yoga. Yep. And look, they they did something great. Now they're sitting in the middle of City A a few years after the fact. They're getting uh, a higher profile. They're turning a racing town into a soccer town, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, and it's it's what those guys do. But it also to me that was that's kind of showcased the sea change of what everything that you just said so you know and that's italian old money you know now we are competing in a world where new money is cropping up all the time you know tech guys want to get in on the next big thing and if city or if italian teams not just city are the next big thing do you does the community get scared of that 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 will no longer belong to them anymore do you hear about that not really i just i don't i don't i don't hear about it maybe it's because it's outside of my my <laughs> my reality it's not like that with me and obviously you know where when i'm not competing with you know hedge funds and or or multi-billionaires you know owning the right. team that's not that's not where i'm you know that's not ever going to be our model um but but i think that you know they like the fact that we could go against uh you know, a billionaire team and, 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 and beat them, which we've yeah. done this year. Um, I think they, they appreciate the fact that that's, you know, something that can happen. It's not all about money, as you know, look, money is an important aspect of it. <laughs> you know, buying the best players is important, but I've seen a lot of teams spend a lot of money and a lot of teams spend a lot less money and do much better. It's, it's, it's the, it's the character, it's the chemistry. It's a lot of things that go into it. And if you're just throwing money at, at a project, um, you know, I, you could look at the standings yourself. You could know what I'm talking about. But there are a lot of teams spending a lot of money that are hovering around the bottom. So I, yeah, uh, uh, go to Venezia is one. I mean, you know, but there's a lot of others. So it's 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 you know obviously it's not just the money. It's how you spend the money, what you spend the money on, and how you run your organization. I mean, that's the key to this whole thing. Um, I remember when I was in Serie B with Bologna, and we had I think the biggest roster from a financial standpoint at the time in 2014, 15. Um, and, you know, cause we had just come down from Syria and I mm-hmm. took it over and we won. Um, but, you know, the team that was predicted to finish in last place was a team that spent a little less than 2 million on their roster called Carpi. Carpi, yeah, wow, not Capri, Carpi, Carpi. Okay. Yeah. A place I'd never heard of before. <laughs> they won Syria B going away with the, with 2 million. I mean, they spent less than everyone by far and they won. So it's not always about how much you spend. 
I'm, I'm happy to hear this too because again like a few years ago speaking to another sicilian club tropani was in the city b playoffs i was yep. so pumped that like a provincial palermo side could be in city b could be in city A. sorry of course they squandered it and then there yep. was a scandal there and you know it was the sicilian opera yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it, it was it was this beautiful moment that like we don't have to all wait for the Leicester cities of the world to win in a big big league it, it can be done and again that's the beautiful part of city B it city B in the last few years has been broadcast on Fox soccer in America there hasn't really been an advertisement push for it do you hope that that changes down the line uh yeah I do I do um as far as the exposure of Serie B, you mean? Yes, yeah. Look, to me, it's the most entertaining league in Europe right now. <laughs> there is not a league that every game counts. There's not a league. That, that, the question this year in Serie B is not who's getting promoted. It's which four teams are going to get relegated. I mean, that's it's like hard to even fathom for those teams going down because they're all good in their own right. It's it's right. it's it's just amazing how close that league is. I mean. You know, there were the difference between the playoffs and and second to last place is like eight points. Think about that: the playoffs and second to the bottom is eight points. The difference from the playoffs and the exact last spot is eleven points. That's and in between there, you have twelve teams, all squashed in in the mid twenties, yeah. all squashed in the mid twenties and points. Anything could happen. The only team walking away is Frozen Um, You know, they're the ones that they've, you know, the, whatever their their elixir is, they've done amazing this year. They're, you know, they're in a comfortable position right now, um, six points on top. Um, but everyone else is all, even the, the you know, the, for the second automatic promotion, you, know, you have about four or five teams really in that scramble. So it's a, it's an amazingly interesting league. Every game is a great game. Every game counts. I mean, then as I said, you know, you'll see you'll see games that will like blow you away. Like uh, um, recently, there was uh, a game where I don't know. I think it was Cosenza beat like the first place team or something like that. It's just like, and you're like, what the hell is going on? In this league? You know, it's like I, I don't. It's, it's really hard to figure it all out because, but that's just again, that just goes to show you how competitive this league is. And how good the league is. So, uh, we're going to get back to football in a minute. But as stated in the intro, you aren't just any lawyer. You're one of the best in the country. Your client list reads like every music fan's playlist. But now you've also added to your schedule, which I don't know how the fuck you're able, able to do this. But you're at Harvard Law, going to help with Harvard 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 Trial Advocacy Workshops. Please explain to me what this is and how you're doing it. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, how is the uh, the the magic I guess question here because I honestly don't know. It's it's a lack of sleep, which isn't a good thing, by the way. But I've taken on this this assignment to become a faculty member of Harvard Law School um, in in the uh, trial advocacy workshop, which is a serious commitment. It makes me a Title IX professor under the law for Harvard Law School, um, which is funny because had I applied to Harvard Law School when I was going to law school, they would have called the police. So. So the fact that the fact that I was actually able to to mold the young minds, but that comes after you know an established career as a trial lawyer, have both as a prosecutor and defense lawyer, having over a hundred jury trials under my belt, um, and you know I think that's it's something that I, I take pleasure. It, it's it's great pleasure. It's look, it's fun to teach. It's fun to share some of the things that I've learned um, with young people. I wish I had that sort of opportunity 
um, when I was in law school, but, you know, also doing it at Harvard does give an added, like, you know, my mom and dad would be so proud. I mean, they both passed at 94, um, but boy, they, they would be just like, you know, immigrants from Italy. We grew up in, in you know, not the nicest part of Brooklyn. And um, just, you know, having that, you know, to, to, to my, my mom would tell everyone, look, when I got knighted in Italy, knighted, okay, when, and I'm the non the least meritorious knight in the history of knights. Okay, I got knighted because of my accomplishments in Italian football, my, my achievements there. So they knighted me. So they decided. So I got knighted. When I got knighted, my mother I was like, I mean, if a guy delivered the mail, she would make sure to tell the mail. You know, my son was knighted in Italy. My son was knighted in Italy. So anyone who crossed her path got to find out that I was knighted. Whether they gave a shit or not, it didn't matter. But she made sure to let them know. So, you know, it, 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 this whole thing is it makes me happy also, but it also makes me feel proud um, to do that for them because of what, you know, really what they've gone through and put me there. They gave me opportunities that, you know, people, if you paint with that broad stereotypical brush, I should never have had. What? Well, first off, my dad is picking up the reins of your parents and doing that for you whenever, you know, someone nah, he's, I know, I know. You so told me that he's the best. He's the best. I want, I want his pizza though. I got to get out there. You got to get, get out there, that. man. Don't worry. There's a pie waiting for you. The Joe special. <laughs> but what's crazy is, is that you, what I, and I've said this to you in our very first conversation many years ago, and it makes me, I'm always proud to be your friend, but it makes me very proud to be your friend because one, your mother comes from the same town as my father in Sicily, which is great. Uh, but you are rebranding what people perceive as Italian Americans in America. And it is a beautiful thing to see. And it is a extensively wild thing to witness that everything that you touch, Joe, you managed to revolutionize. Now you've done it in the courtroom and now you're doing it on the football field and you're seeing what you're taking that same energy and everything that you're doing and I, and changing the way people think about things. As you said, people, at, when you decided to put a group together at Roma, they said you were crazy. And now... Yep. Roma's got Mourinho, they're doing well, and you built something that is sustainable for them. You've done it at Bologna, Venezia, we talked about their issues, but they are a team that people are aware about. As I said, there are people that definitely do not follow Serie A wearing their jerseys last year. That's a testament to what you're doing. Yep. Rossi's at Spal. It's, you, you do things that are wildly, wildly left of center. But you do them with all your heart and soul. And I just, I'm constantly in awe of you, man. And this is really, there's no question here. It's just me just like, you, oh, you know, I like really that. just well, giving you a verbal hug, man. Like it's just, yeah. it's beautiful to see like how you are reinterpreting what people think of our culture. Now you said you came from a not so part of Brooklyn. The fact that like you're a kid from the neighborhood with these wild big dreams who put yourself through law school, did all of this. If you were to go back in time to tell that kid, young Joe, hey, this is what you're going to do, like, would would you believe that this is the trajectory of your life at this point? Probably not. I mean, no. Yeah, I could say not. probably not. Definitely not. But what I learned early on um, was to really dream big and to dream big and, and not listen to the naysayers. Because I believe that's one of the, the key ingredients in life. I mean, I think you have to dream big, follow your dreams. You know, if you if you run to a roadblock or you get knocked down, get knocked down, get back up and keep going. And that sets apart the winners and the losers, honestly. The people who who aren't afraid to, you know, 
get a, a, a blow and and continue moving. They don't just turn around and say, "Oh, I mean, you know, this was not never meant for me." You know, in their first in their first you know uh, setback. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then you know the naysayers. It's for example when I started the Italian football journey, you know, first American in two thousand ten. And actually, it started in 2007. That's how long it took me. But but people were people were you know like oh you're crazy you know you can't make money in Italian football um, whatever whatever and um, you know it, it it was honestly you know if I listened to them it would have been um, it would have been a fatal sort of mistake on my part because there are so many people that that you know are afraid to take chances, afraid to go outside their comfort zone. And you can't be. And that's that's my my I tell that to the kids when I go in Ferrara to the schools. Um and I believe in it. I believe in it wholeheartedly. Wow. You know, you famously once told me that trial law was like a combat sport for you. You're ultra competitive and everything that you do, you show it in your work. The results speak for themselves, which we just discussed. And you approach everything with such high intensity, including your workouts. You look amazing, Joe. Uh, but I got to ask, you know, my friend, do you find time to ever relax? Like, do you ever find yeah, time? For that's, that's my probably my Achilles heel. Not as much as I'd like to. Um, you know, it, it's it's important to, you know, I, I, obviously my family has sacrificed over the years with my right. schedule, my back and forth and, and everything else. And, and, you know, I have to. Uh, you know, giving them credit for pulling up, putting up with all my 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 insanity. Um, you know, I, I I used to love to skate. Um, I skied like you know competitively at a point and, and was of doing races. Did. I of went to college. Of course, did. I did. I do. You're right. I I played ping pong like my you know when my kids were like four years old. I tried to kick their ass when they were four. Like I was like, no, oh, I want I want that that ball was in. You know, um, but but like I used to love skiing. I used to love being on a boat. That stuff has fallen by the wayside, unfortunately, and it's you know. So I don't, and it's important. I gotta, I have to have a little more balance because right now it's full speed ahead, both with Spall and the law firm, and my trials, and you know, representing President Trump or representing um, ASAP Rocky in these cases, and the Washington Commanders in Congress, and all the things that's happening. It's it doesn't leave a lot of free time, and then my workouts are important. I have to do that every day religiously. I will not miss because it affects my mental state much more than my physical appearance. My physical appearance is a byproduct of that, but it's, it's the, it's the mental state that really helps me. Um, so I need to do that more. My, my one pleasure, true pleasure is going to Ranger games. I mean, I have a season ticket holder. Um, it's really where I just, you know, relax and, and not relax. Actually, I get more excited there than I do. <laughs> There's other things, but it's, it's a form of, 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 of enjoyment and relaxation for me. So now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code Mundial for 10% off your first order. It is, it, it's tremendous what you do, man. And again, like just in constant awe of everything that you do. And, you know. Well, I, pre I appreciate that coming from you. Look, you and I have become... We we met as as you a journalist, me a subject, and we talked about that trial I did that I won that Dolly painting yes. case, right? Um, and you did that that piece, but obviously what, what became clear to me after our meeting was how good of a guy you were, oh, how smart you. of a guy you were, but how good of a guy you were. And and I don't befriend many people that quickly and that easily. I don't have that many close friends, but you know I count you as one of them. You're really one of the good guys and someone oh. who I respect intellectually and also you know I'm proud of as an Italian American. Very proud of your accomplishments oh. and, and what you're doing. Thanks, man. I'm going to go and like cry in the corner now and be like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so thank you. 
And thank you for coming on this podcast, man. I know you're super course, busy. Man. I got three questions for you right before. It's yep. the same questions I ask everybody. So if you could bring back one retired player to spa, alive or dead, former player of the team, who would it be and why? Former player of the team? Yeah. Oh, Capello. Fabio Capello. He's alive. I've had dinner with him. His knees are not able to, you know, allow him to walk straight, let alone play. But he'd be the guy. I mean, he was he was the bandiera of Spal. Fabio Capello, the great, you know, coach of, of, of the dynasty Juventus Roma. He he was the best player in the history. Our of Milan. Spal, uh, you know, yeah. Our, our uh, you know, picking up from Saki is no easy task, and doing that, no, you know, no, exactly. And what's he like as a person? I got to, you know, now here's like the sidebar question because it's. You know, I don't get you know people that get to you know hang out and have dinner with heroes here, uh, footballing heroes. That is. Um, so, what's he like as a person? Like, is, he's is he he, I'll tell you what he's like. Here's what he's like. He's a great guy. He's 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 sort of direct, very blunt. Um, mm. Yeah, he is philosophical, but he's also very intimidating. And, and here's a funny story. I told him we gave him an award last year, and I was up on the stage, and I told this story to the audience, and then they were laughing. He didn't remember, but when I was really just a young lawyer and i hadn't been involved in italian football from a you know ownership standpoint yet i had been going to torino a lot for a client i've been dealing with a, an italian client i was doing some work for for you know different entities uh, italian entities in the united states and um so torino was where i was going and you know i had a friend there and i wanted to go see football i didn't care so juventus was there and i wanted to go to juventus games he put me in touch with moji uh, alessandro moji who for some reason took a liking to me Brought me with them to games, you know, gave me his little Toscanos and and had me have dinners with his, you know, the whole Juventus hierarchy after every game at a place called um, Ristorante Urbano, right by the train station. And it was incredible. It's like a hole in the wall by the train station, Torino, but the food was insane. They had a private room for the Juventus guys. Fabio Capello was there one night. And I hate fish. I hate fish. Sal, I don't eat fish. We were Come up there, on, and he man. was. I, I, I know, I know. It's just something I don't know. I think I choked on a bone when I was little. I swear to God, I think that's what happened. So I just don't eat fish. But anyway, my my of Capello's there, and I was eating everything but fish—the cheese, the pasta. He's like, "Try this fish," and he said it in Italian to me. But I'll just say it in English. I won't. I won't do it in Italian and translate. He just said, "Try the fish." I'm like, no, it's okay. He goes, "No, it's fresh. Try the fish." And the way he said it, it wasn't like a question. It was like, "You're gonna try this fucking fish." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, great, thank you." And I ate fish. Like for the first time in like twenty something years, I, I want to like within three minutes I was in the bathroom puking because it was so fishy. But you know, he told me I had to eat fish. I ate fish. Um, that's that's how intimidated he was. I can imagine wow. how he was as a coach. And I told him that story again. I we went to dinner after that night in in Ferrara, and I said, and I'm not eating fish. I don't care what the fuck you say. <laughs> so so anyway, but I still remember that. <laughs> that I mean, look, that's if there's a story, that's the one I want to hear. Um, <laughs> If Spa, money's not an option, we've got the money that Ronaldo makes every second, even more than that. <laughs> if your club could sign one player today, who would it be and why? Oh, the, 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 what's the kid's name from the city, Manchester City? Uh, the Erling craziest Holland? striker. Yep. I mean, that's that's a that's a just the extraterrestrial shit yeah. going on there. I mean, that's <laughs> who it would be. Me, the one player, if I could start a team with any player in their prime, I know everyone would say Messi, Messi. Okay, that's great. That's easy one. Me, Sergio Ramos. I want a guy in the center of defense who is an animal, who wants to hurt people if they come into that box, who scores on headers, who's a leader, who has grit and toughness, and and really exemplifies the character of a team. That's Sergio Ramos would be my guy. All right. Like that. I like that a lot. And finally, 
And this doesn't have to go to spa. This could be anything. What has been your favorite moment as a fan of this game? I mean, you know, I could say there's a few things. It's winning in Bologna at home for Serie A promotion when I had that little, you know, venture around the stadium on the shoulders of about 40,000 people. And that night was, you know, in Piazza Maggiore with the bus, with the team, with the fireworks. That was that was one of the, the special nights. Um, when the Azuri won the World Cup in 2006, when I traveled with the team and my sons to oh Germany, and was staying at Casa Azuri with the team um, oh and traveling around with the team for, you know, I thought it was going to be, I'd be there. You know, I just told my wife, I'll bring the kids home in a week. We'll be out of the first round most likely and I'll be home. I'll got to say another week. I'll got to say another week. I wound up, you know, obviously they went and won the World Cup. So that was something that was special. That game, you know, the France game, the, the Zidane headbutt to Matarazzi's head, uh, chest after we talked about his sister. That was that was maybe the game that, that you know, defines my love for this sport. Love it. Joe Tacopino, thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate this. Forza Spal. And I hope the next time we chat, they're in City A. Okay, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.